welcome to another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner LeBron James ever was. With Christian Ainsworth. Ben Simmons to me is the fifth best basketball player in the world. And Price Carter. Under pressure? Yes, Kawhi is better than Kobe was. I'm here to tell you about the player that's going to take the NFC East by storm and also get some MVP votes. We're talking about Danny Dimes. That might be the worst take I've ever heard. Okay, so it's been long enough. It's time to face the music and accept the reality that the Chiefs did not win. And it's time to kind of exhale and talk about it joining me as always is christian you're listening to not just another sports podcast um it's raining outside here where i am right now it it is very much a chief's lost monday christian how are you how are you coping lots of recreation i I went to the uh mu rec today and just played basketball for five hours that's the uh the only way i could get it out of my head but i didn't listen to any sports radio I didn't, you know, I didn't dwell on it at all today. I just thought I'd come in on this podcast after a sigh of, like, not really relief, but just a pause, kind of exhale, like you said, and get everything out, and then I'm ready. What about you? What have you done? Well, I I had a time period there today where I just got off Twitter for a little bit. I work work on a computer a lot, so it's really easy for me to just have a tab open and look at it all the time. But today, I just had to take some time, get away from it, and just kind of decompressed just a little bit but honestly I I don't know it it wasn't that bad I did not have any I did not have a hard time listening to sports talk today especially because I know that these type of losses are a lot easier to stomach whenever the Chiefs have done as much winning as they have lately and especially whenever you know that these type of losses just like the Raiders last year which there's a lot of comparisons that you can draw between those two games But a lot of those things that we feel so caught up in the moment about the Raiders week five game last year and this game, they don't matter long term. The things that matter the most long term are still intact. And honestly, I'm going to say, and I'm sure we've all seen some tweets, but I'm pretty proud of most of the national media today because I've seen numerous people who, you know, have a wide reach say more or less the Chiefs are still the team to beat in the AFC. I haven't seen someone just come out and say like, all right, it's definitive. Lamar is the better quarterback or something stupid like that. So overall I did have to have to tune some of it out, but I I felt, I found it somewhat palatable people just realizing, Hey, that was a great game. It was kind of a weird one. It was crazy, but um, you know, the Chiefs are still the team and Mahomes is still that guy. Yep. And, uh, Unfortunately, for the rest of the AFC, Mahomes is going to be here for a long time, which fortunately for us is going to mean that we are the team to beat for the foreseeable future. Now, Twitter is not the place to be during the game and when that's happening. And I was on there, you know, my head was deep into Twitter. Um, I just want to read this this quote out from a tweet I made last night. And you can tell me if it resonates with you or or if you think I'm a little bit off here. So I said, do not do not let anyone fool you into believing that this Chiefs loss was due to anything other than the defense, not Clyde's fumble, not the conservative play calling down the stretch. Nothing. You think that resonates or or 
Well, I mean, nothing happens in a in a prism. Nothing is singular. The Clyde Edwards Alaire fumble is the symptom. The cold or the sickness is the Chiefs defense. The point blank, this really goes back to the conversation that we talked about last week. There is no blueprint to beat the Chiefs. It's just the margin of error that is created by the Chiefs. The Chiefs have, as I described last week, the deficit eraser. Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate ultimate deodorant. He's the solution to almost any problem. He makes things look good that are not good. But whenever the margin of error becomes less because of the talent on the roster or the scheme that is used, Patrick Mahomes' margin for error goes down. The Chiefs basically, um, you know, the Chiefs had a bad game. There was a lot of really weird stuff that happened in this game. Just off the top of my head, there was a snap that went over Mahomes' head like 15 yards, and then he tacked on a penalty behind it, thinking that he could turn it into an incomplete pass. There was that awful defensive pass interference call on Matthew, where he was clearly past the five yards. Mahomes' interception, that was probably one of the more boneheaded interceptions he's thrown. I'm not going to complain about it. Because that play also gives you the play where he throws with his left hand in Denver a couple of years ago. You, with him, it's, it's the lottery. You know, you take, you take the big jackpots and just know sometimes you're going to swing and miss. Tyson Williams fumbles the ball, Andrew Luck style, into Devin DuVernay's hands. Um, and also, this, this one didn't get really talked about. But the Lamar Jackson, the two-point conversion where he threw an interception, and Hitchens made a really savvy play to lateral the ball, I thought Snead was gone. And there was no one catching him. Snead's super fast. He's one of the fastest guys on the field at that time. And I think he would have went if he just wouldn't have fallen over his own feet. And then, of course, the Edwards-Alaire fumble. There, that's a lot of issues there. And the Chiefs were one point away from winning that game. And quite honestly, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire – hadn't have literally dropped the W on the ground, they probably do win that game. Oh yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. If Clyde doesn't fumble, then we're going to win, but also in the same breath, you know, like, like I stated last night, the chiefs defensive line, I don't know what happened, whether we just misjudged them as a unit or the chiefs misjudged them. And as far as paying everybody, I think it was like 25% of our cap is spent on the D line the next highest is 16 or something crazy like that. And we got no pressures on a backup deep backup offensive line that just shouldn't happen. And as far as the defense goes in general, there were people that didn't know where they were. There should have been at least two more touchdowns that the Ravens got just because of communication, like that ward Tyron Matthew exchange where he got loose and it was just a wide open touchdown. Like that's stuff that's not going to happen later on in the season, hopefully. Um, but I think really what I'm trying to say is I think that there's some things that we can remedy here. I don't think the defense is nearly as bad as it played last night. I also believe that there is definitely a ceiling, especially for this defensive line that might prevent us from, from winning future games, but Patrick Mahomes is still the quarterback. I think it's safe to say the offense did their part. This isn't a doom and gloom scenario. This is one game. I know, I know it's everybody's sad. We just need to come down off of that, that high we were on last night. Well, here's the thing. And in our notes, I wrote, is it time to panic? And, you know, for 90% of the Chiefs roster and the Chiefs situation, I'm not pressing the panic button yet because we've seen this a lot. Heck, the Buccaneers looked awful at various times throughout the season. And look at the run that they went on. But 
the thing that I am pushing the panic button on, and this is something that I, it has just become more and more clear to me as a problem, is Albert Einstein said this quote, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. And for some reason, there seems to be some sort of disconnect with what the Chiefs are doing in their roster construction and then what happens on the field. The Chiefs continually put players, the lesser player, or players in a worse position than they should be in. Daniel Sorensen is grading out as one of the worst safeties in the NFL. He is missing more tackles than teams are missing at times. He has more missed tackles than certain NFL franchises right now. And he is put on the field. What is the old standby that Spags will give you at the, at the mic? He'll say he's in position. He knows what to do. He's not in position. He's not. He's missing things. Clearly, there was miscommunication that happened on the, or the Hollywood Brown touchdown. And also, let's not ignore the fact that he's the less athletic safety, so he can't be in position as much as um, Juan Thornhill can. Yes, he makes one or two impact plays a game. We're not saying that he can't play at all. What we're saying is he doesn't need to take 99% of the snaps and Juan Thornhill take 11% of the snaps. Then you go to a player like Nick Nick Bolton, who apparently has pictures of every person in the Kansas City media because the guy will make 10 bad plays, but the time he does a solid open field tackle for a two-yard gain instead of a 10-yard gain, the Chiefs are just like, boy, Nick Bolton is just – he's just different. He's he's just a game changer. He's making changes – I'm sorry, how someone can sit there and watch that team get shredded for like nine yards per carry, and then you come away being like, boy, Nick Bolton, he had a great game. No, the run is his specialty, and they got carved up. He's not making a big difference. Yes, I understand it's a team game. I get that. And yes, Nick Bolton can only do so much. But I'm just saying, if you can only talk about one or two plays that Nick Bolton made in the run, and the team almost ran for 300 yards, I'm going to say he probably didn't have a good day against the run, and we know he did not have a good day in the pass. And then this brings us to Ben Neiman. Ben Neiman is going to, you know, he's playing a wide majority of the snaps. Yes, I know Willie Gay is hurt, but I'm still skeptical of the fact that Willie Gay will be on the field whenever he's here. I, why do we keep drafting players and putting them on the field for spags to bench for players that he likes better? At least if he's going to do that and he wants to use some crafty UDFA who went to BYU, draft someone, draft Harris Marshall so at least the offense can be an even more dominant force. I, this is just my frustration. You were talking about the defensive line. Chris Jones is playing on the edge. The Ravens found Chris Jones and go, we're running wherever he is because he has not played defensive end. He does not have the sound ability to hesitate and read and go, and shed his block and be disciplined in the run. That's one of the th- few things that Frank Clark has done well for this team consistently is be a good run stopper. And the fact is that, okay, I get that. Last week we were talking about how great Chris Jones looked. He had two huge sacks. But Chris Jones has played the inside before. It wasn't working. It was clearly not working in the first half. It wasn't working in the third quarter. Kick Jones inside. Jaron Reed's ass isn't doing anything. He's, I've not heard his name once. Put him and not put uh, Jones and Nadi on the inside. Put Clark and Okafor on the edges. And then let's go. Because at least Chris Jones is what is a boomer bust run defender on the interior. 
he will get tore up a couple of times because he's trying to go for the big play. But then at least once or twice, he'll just throw the guard by side and get a big play in the backfield. That doesn't happen anymore with him on edge. And I get that there's a need for him to be at edge, which brings us back to the original point. We're drafting players to not be used. Joshua Kando is inactive. I understand that picking at the bottom of a round gives you lesser players, but this all comes back to the whole conversation of, you know, trading picks for players. If we're not going to use the picks that we draft well, Juan Thornhill, Breland Speaks, et cetera, et cetera, Colin Saunders, et cetera, et cetera, then let's not invest them. And then let's do something different. Why, why was Jones still out there in the fourth quarter just hesitating and getting lost and chasing his tail? See, and, and going along with that, there, I, th- I think you put it perfectly, honestly. We are, we are drafting players with such incredibly high upside. Juan Thornhill is an athletic player. Joshua Kado is an athletic player. These are guys that can be in position even when they're out of position. The, you cannot tell me that Daniel Sorensen is in position and makes enough plays to warrant being on the field over Juan Thornhill, even if Juan Thornhill gets lost half of the time. There's absolutely no reason. And, and one of the biggest takeaways I had with this game is I think the Chris Jones, a defensive end experiment is over. I, I think it needs to be, I think he needs to be put back inside because Jaron Reed obviously is a liability at defensive tackle. As far as I'm concerned, Derek Nadi, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and anybody else can start at defensive end, but also <clears throat> Chris Jones being at defensive end and playing that position it's it's not that he hasn't played it and he doesn't know what to do. He's just he just doesn't play against the run. And, and I've said this privately hundreds of times to, to to those who are like our colleagues, anybody that we work with, um, or even some of my friends. I say Chris Jones doesn't play the run because he doesn't want to. I, I charted last week against the Browns. I went through and I said I I really want to see how. Chris Jones is playing against the run. I want to see if he's, you know, if he's in the spot, if he was really as dominant as everybody said he was because he got two sacks late in the game. And I went through and I charted, uh, here's just a few of them. Doesn't secure the cutback lane and allows an eight yard gain. Doesn't set the edge or force the run back inside. Doesn't set the edge and gets blocked by a TE. Like if you're getting blocked by tight ends, which he is, he is getting blocked one-on-one with tight ends and refusing to push through because he's not getting the glory I'm assuming of sacking the quarterback. I mean, you saw it last night. There was a play where it was a, where it was a zone read that they ran a hundred times and Chris Jones stops and is stuck in between. Do I go inside or do I stop Lamar outside? Oh, I don't know if you saw it. There was a a clip that was going around on Twitter and it was like kind of a double-edged sword. Jones beats Villanueva who apparently like turned into Trent Williams this week. Might as um, well have been. Yeah. He gets by Villanueva in like two seconds. Like he just quick move and he's around Villanueva. But Jones then runs and it looks like, like I had to make sure the video wasn't in slow motion. Jones is like jogging because he, you can tell he is so, he is so in his head. He's like, wait, why did I just win so fast? Is this a screen? Is this RPO? Are they, are they running towards me? Did I just get like pushed up field? Like he was so in his own head. And I mean, here's the thing. I, I understand that the two teams that the chiefs just played consecutively are probably two of the strongest, if not the strongest running attacks in the NFL. And I do give Chris Jones the opportunity to improve in that area. 
especially considering the offensive line and the running, like some very unique situations. Browns have a top shelf offensive line. Lamar Jackson is the most unique player in the NFL in that, in that way. However, it's not like it has to be a night or day thing. You said the experiment's over. I don't necessarily think that the experiment has to be over. He's proven that he is great on the edge in certain situations. But the problem is, is that they are playing him out there exclusively almost. He's getting, you know, 90% of his snaps out there. Why, why can he not just move out there sometimes? Why can it not just be like, hey, this is like, you know, this is an old Bob Sutton thing, but he used to call it the NASCAR package where they put all the guys up there, you know, put him in that situation on the outside. You can move him around like that. But for some reason, it's like, I, I don't know, it's almost like the Chiefs are trying to win a, an imaginary trophy that doesn't exist of, oh, we turned Chris Jones into a different position. Like, I get it. And yeah, cool. He wore that jersey last week and all that. But I mean, to me, what they are doing is they are taking a top two player at a position and then making him top 20 at another position, which is league average. Well, what I think is happening is that they trust their interior defensive linemen more than they trust the edge, which I don't know why. We re-signed Alex Okafor, if nothing but just to come back and be what he was last year, which is a guy that plays six games out of the year and then gets injured and is on the bench. But when he was in those six games, he at least was, I can't think of the word, but he was at least competent at playing defensive end for the run. Like Chris Jones is very, very good at using his bull rush to get back to the quarterback. That, that is something that you can't do on every single play. As an edge, you have to be able to read. And for all the shit we give Frank Clark, um, he at least is very good at setting the edge. And, and he didn't do a perfect job last night, but there were multiple times where he forced the cutback inside. But then they just started running it at Chris Jones, like you said. Like there, I think that at this point, he just needs to go back and be the second best defensive tackle in the league. And we'll figure out defensive end. Yeah. And I, you're exactly right. And the thing is too, is that it doesn't help that Frank Clark has not been the player he is either. He is. And I'm well, it's just because there's only been one game, but PFF has him dead last in edge defenders. Most of that is due to the fact that, you know, he's coming off injury. He only played about 70% of the snaps last week which is very unlike him. He's usually on the field all the time. So I do think that there is some improvement coming there, but he was abused too by, you know, players that were predominantly a backup offensive line. And I understand that there's a real scheme advantage. And Lamar Jackson is one of those players that you almost don't want to rush. It's more about having the box. And we talked about that. That was one of the things to watch um, staying assignment sound and, and, keeping that pocket closed so Lamar can't run up the middle. He did that like 50 times last night where he drops back to pass and then just up the middle and it's right there. It's, there was no integrity. There was no maintaining blocks. The defensive line was a problem. And then the, the secondary, I don't necessarily, it's hard to say that the secondary had a bad day where they had three interceptions and, you know, Lamar Jackson was held to about 200 and some odd yards passing but either way, there's still some huge miscommunication that was going on there. Um, 250, um, hold on, how many passengers? 230. But yeah, man, I, there's, there's some cause for concern on that defense. And I'm not sure what the answer is. No, and I mean, we can talk doom and gloom 
all night if we wanted to. There were so many things that were just bad about this football game for the Chiefs. Are there any bright spots you saw? Because, I mean, well, if you before, want, we could... I, I don't want to be done with the doom and gloom yet. We'll okay, get to the right. bright spots here in a second because I do think that we need to go to the other side of the ball. And, you know, you were ta- you talked about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and we've we've talked about this at end. It's and I'll just I'm gonna just do the same thing you did. I'm gonna read one of my tweets because that is what all good podcasts are about. It's just reading your tweets because we're all here for those good yummy yummy clout chasing likes and retweets. <laughs> Here's what I said. These are all in quotes. Just wait for Clyde to get a full off season in this offense. Just wait for him to get more involved in the passing game. Just wait for him to get behind this new offensive line. Just wait until teams go with a light box. Maybe it's time to stop waiting on Clyde Edward Delaire. What, I mean, what else does this guy have to have go for him? He's a first round pick. He has the best quarterback in the league. He has an offensive mind who made Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West like viable RB1s in fantasy football. Jamal Charles, you know, his career was built upon the things that he did with Andy Reid. I mean, what Kareem Hunt, uh, what else does Clyde need to be successful? I'm sorry, but at what point do you start putting some of it on the player? I don't, and again, some people cannot separate these things. I don't think Clyde Edwards is a bad guy. I don't think he's, you know, he's done fine. He's done things in the community. He's, he seems like a respectable person. And taking in round five, Clyde Edwards-Dallaire is a, a treat to have on the team and just another part of the offense. But the Chiefs are screwing their, and I'm tired of seeing it over and over again. The Chiefs are screwing their offense by trying to justify the pick of Clyde Edwards-Dallaire. And I knew it the day that they took him, that there is just a, super dependent loyalty on going back to Clyde and establishing the run. And it's always just Clyde. I swear since he has been here, the chiefs used to be much more of a hot hand mix and match running back thing. We saw it with McCoy and Damian Williams and Daryl Williams. But when Andy gets a guy, he just goes with them and he's just going and going back to the well with Edward Dallaire. Jarek McKinnon got one touch and he looked really good. He has the things that he is the most like an Andy Reid back. And I just, I do not understand why this team is continually trying to justify the pick. And then why the fan base is continually trying to justify the pick. What, what are you waiting on? He's not a fumbler. I I will give him that though. He did almost the exact same thing as he did last night in Buffalo last year. His knee just happened to be down a fraction before he fumbled the ball and almost fumbled away that game. The point, though, is, is that before that, he wasn't going. And people will say, well, you know, maybe it's just because he's not getting targeted in the passing game because he was a really good pass catcher. Oh, you mean when he was in the best offense that college football has ever seen? And there was like three first round draft picks on the wide receiving core and, you know, the one one overall quarterback. Yeah, I'm sure he was getting open in that scheme. But it's hard to be open when you're not on the field on passing downs because you can't pass block. What, I mean, tell me this, Christian. What is one thing that Clyde Edward Dallaire does better than Damian Williams? I don't think anything. And there's and not, unfortunately, the, the, an, the correct answer is be healthy, maybe because Damian Williams has struggled to stay healthy. But I mean, Edward Dallaire missed like what three or four games last year. There's nothing. And 
I don't have a problem. I'm not going to make a huge deal out of letting Damian Williams walk because ultimately I think they signed Damian Williams again and Jarek McKinnon. They profile is a very similar player. So it's not a huge deal. But the fact is, is that they let that player walk who the Chiefs offense was at its best when they had Damian Williams because it forced them to just go back to the pass, back to the pass. And then the run was the change up. But it, it just seems like there's this reluctance that they got to keep trying to run and they're running with just him. And he does not have breakaway speed. He gets run down by Ed Oliver in the Bills game. I'm sorry, but I think the Chiefs offense would be completely benefited by going to a true three split system where Edward Delaire is getting mm, seven to eight carries a game and then, you know, maybe one or two pass attempts. That's it. And then go to Daryl. I mean, go, go rewatch the Browns game, um, the Browns playoff game. Daryl Williams was a running back in that game, and the Chiefs offense was clicking on all cylinders, and he looked like a great back. He's exactly what this offense needs. Downhill, cuts to the right lane, and then gets north and south. He, he's looked better in this offense at times than Edward Dallaire. It's nothing personal, and yes, it is because he was drafted at 32, but even if he was drafted at 38 or whatever, if the Chiefs traded down and took him somehow, he's still not getting it done on the field. Well, I think the problem is here is, is there were a few big problems for him coming out of college. One of them was pass blocking and the other one was breakaway speed. And here's the thing that I think the chiefs took him with the idea that Patrick Mahomes would check the ball down. You don't want Patrick Mahomes checking the ball down. That is maybe the last thing that you want. He can make plays with his legs and throwing the football, running away from defenders. Like, and I think you're right. I think it distracts from, Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes with Kareem Hunt. Whenever we had him for that one season that they were together, Kareem Hunt's a good uh, pass blocker. Kareem Hunt is good at catching the football, but it wasn't like that's what they were demanding that he do. Like one of the big things that Clyde is good at is reading the zone blocking and and coming in and and, uh, getting upfield. He's not doing that for whatever reason. If If it's just confidence, if it's, what the coaches are telling him to do, you know, either way, he's just not getting it done. And his other abilities don't warrant him being on the field. I don't want him in on passing down. I don't, I I would rather have Daryl in there, bulldoze over an outside linebacker trying to rush on a blitz. And if you're going to throw the ball, it's a coin flip who I think is a better, who's better at catching the ball. Daryl has proven that he can catch the football out of the backfield. Like, and and he's going to cost, a quarter of his salary. Like you can get Daryl Williams on league minimum. You keep the first round pick and who knows you, you trade it for a left tackle. Like yeah. there are a million things you could do with that instead of getting a player that might seem nice in the moment, but actually turns out all of his pros are things that you don't want him doing. I'm going to read you some names. Just listen to the names. T Higgins, Michael Pittman, DeAndre Swift, Xavier McKinney, Kyle Duger, Robert Hunt, Russ Black, Blacklock, Jonathan Taylor, LaVisca Chanel, Cole Komet, Grant Delpit, Anton Winfield Jr., KJ Helmler, Chase Claypool, Trayvon Diggs, Cam Akers, AJ Espinessa, J.K. Dobbins, Van Jefferson, Denzel Mims. These are all players who were drafted not 10 picks, 15 picks after Clyde Edwards-Dillaire. 
And here's the thing. I get the game of like going back and cherry picking. Like when people do that with the McCole Hardman pick and, oh, they could have had Terry McLaurin yeah. or DK Metcalf. Yeah. That one's a little unfair. But, dude, those are like that sequential order that those picks happened. There are like LaVisca Chanel would look great in this offense. Jonathan Taylor, yes. Um, DeAndre Swift, yes. Michael Pittman, a big guy who can go get it. Yes. T. Higgins, fast as heck. Yes. K.J. Hamler. Yes, like Chase Claypool. Yes, Cam Akers. He's hurt, but yes. there The list just goes on and on of players that they could have taken. And, you know, we don't have to convert you to the running backs don't matter religion. All we need you to understand is that sometimes you need to come to church and you need to realize that as you were, com- in, you, as you were complaining about the defense sucking and Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen getting like 88% of the snaps, you took a pick that could have been used on players like this and instead took a player who is making a marginal at best impact on this roster. Well, to be fair, I think if we drafted a defensive player, he wouldn't play in the defense. I think that Spags would sit oh, yeah, yeah. Him and, or Swords in yeah, any way. You're because... right. If they would have drafted Xavier McKinney, it just would have been more Dan Swordson. Well, yeah, because they had a better camp. Like why, why would we, why would we put in a first round or second round pick when the other person had a better camp like that? Yeah. And last, last little dose of negativity from me. Um, I've seen people make the excuse of like, well, well, I mean, Willie Gay is not here yet. So you can't, you just can't like really expect a lot of the de- defense. Um, Willie Gay was a part-time and maybe even quarter-time player last year who couldn't get Ben Neiman off the field. He still has proven nothing at the NFL level. And he's one player. The Chiefs are incredibly healthy right now. They have had very good injury luck. It's only going to be a week or two before someone gets hurt. So if your solution for the defense is that they have every single player available to them that's on the roster for them to start being good, you're, you're already screwed. Because when, when Willie comes back, um, you know, and Anthony Hitchens is going to get a broken arm or, you know, Chris Jones is going to get a twi- uh, an ankle sprain or whatever, and then it'll be the next thing. Good defenses, good teams have to overcome those injuries. That's why depth is so important, and that's why teams like the Buccaneers, that they're like fourth wide receiver could be a starter on almost every other team, that matters. Well, just to push back a little bit on that, I, I think one of the reasons that Nick Bolton and uh, Anthony Hitchens played so poorly well, not necessarily Anthony Hitchens, but I think Nick Bolton, I think that he he is going to evolve into the Anthony Hitchens of this defense. And I think right now he's playing a position that Willie was supposed to be playing uh, just for the sake of reps. And I think that once he comes back, Willie can play more of the coverage linebacker role, if, if that's what you want to call it. And Bolton can come in or not play while Hitchens or he is in that kind of run defender role. Um, other than that, though, no, I don't think Willie Gay is the answer to this defense, especially since last week, everybody was telling me Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew were about to be the answer to this defense. And they answered for about five plays combined last night. So, yeah. And I mean, that that one made that argument made sense. They are the two highest paid guys on the team. They're definitely some of the more leaders. They were instrumental in 2019. I get that. But let's try to find some positivity with all of those things being said that we just bitched about the chiefs lost by one point and probably should have won that game. And Lamar Jackson is a great player who's won an MVP. Harbaugh is a fantastic coach. 
they have the spirit of Omar from The Wire. Did you see it? Are you a Wire person if you watch The Wire? No, I do not watch okay, The Wire. Okay, well, you, you need to. It's, it is more than a TV show. It is a lesson in... Um, there's a lot of good lessons to learn from the show. It's fantastic. Get HBO. It's worth it. But they did like the Omar whistle, which is like a character from The Wire. Um, they had Ray Lewis. I mean, like they had every famous person from Baltimore there. They, I mean, they were definitely on on something that night. And I get it. Those games happen. Kind of like the 2015 Arrowhead game where they broke the sound record and then the Royals walked it off the next night against the A's. I get that. And for the Chiefs to only lose by one point, given all those things, it's still just a comment on how good of a team this is. And truthfully, what a weapon that Patrick Mahomes still is. Because what is something that you read 11-year-olds tweet on Twitter all the time? Well, what would you be without Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill had, was non-existent in this game. Tyreek Hill had like 14 yards receiving and 15 yards rushing. He was non-existent. Yes, Kelsey went off for 109, which – you know, that just kind of speaks to the fact that you can't take both of them away very, very well. But we were, this is something we talked about last week. The, the third wide receiver, that person, that role got stepped into more. Byron Pringle had great breakaway speed on that play. That's something I think we forget is that Pringle's pretty quick. Um, he's one of the faster guys on the team, surprisingly. Hardman had 55 yards. Demarcus Robinson had a great catch. And I feel like that throw by Mahomes, is almost getting a little under, like, I don't think it's getting enough credit for how crazy of a throw it really was. Blake Bell chipped in 20 with a nice little screen. And then um, Jarek McKinnon had 14 yards, which he looked really good. So we must, which means we must, must play Clyde Edward Dallaire more. But this is all just to say that Mahomes did it without Tyree Kill. Um, yes, the interception was bad, but truthfully, you can handle that because the rest of it is so good. Oh, yeah. And, you know, speaking of you, you talked about all the pass catchers. I think that the pass blockers did a very good job this game, too. Um, yeah. And, well, and this few, is a good, a few a good of them. front, too. This is not this is not uh, a crappy front. Justin Houston is still good. Tyus Bauer mm-hmm. is good. Um, we saw that. What is it? Owe? Yep. Yeah. Jason Owe is Owe. a good player. Clay is Campbell. There's still some good guys there. Oh, yeah. And. Orlando Brown, you know, knowing that came in and man, I didn't hear his name all night. And for an offensive lineman, that's exactly what you want to hear. You don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear Mahomes got sacked. I don't want to hear, you know, uh, he was beat for outside rushes or anything like that. Same thing with Trey Smith. I don't know if you've been, I mean, obviously you've been on Twitter recently, but there are some clips of, of him blowing defenders off the ball, throwing them into the ground just destroying them with, I mean, it's just incredible to watch a Chiefs offensive lineman finally do that. Um, The only downside I would say is that Creed Smith kind of, or Creed Smith, uh, Creed Humphrey kind of had a bad game. There there were a couple of plays where he was just, you know, not quick enough, didn't have the good first step or, or just let somebody run right by him. So yeah, ups and and downs on the offensive line, but Lucas Lucas Nying had a very, very good game to your point um pff graded him very highly orlando brown bounced back those guys combined for 10 pressures last week this week they combined for two so that's a great sign um creed is still one of the higher graded centers uh he allowed just one pressure this week which is good other than the bad snap 
Um, Trey Smith is 27th in PFF grade at the guard position. So that's also good. Um, I'm a little concerned about Joe Tooney simply because you were counting on Joe Tooney being the top three to four guard. And so far, I mean, if you go back to the play with Clyde's fumble, Tooney just completely gets beat in that play. So I would definitely like to see some improvement there. But yes, the pass blocking was much better in this game, which is encouraging. And I thought Mahomes did a much better job of stepping up in the pocket. Even that interception that he threw, he was stepping up. And maybe that was part of it. Is he's just not as used to that feeling of stepping up. But he had lots of green grass in front of him as well there. So hopefully that he'll kind of be more inclined to tuck it and run or take the check down in that instance. Again, I'm not going to complain about the interception. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things that it's so hard. Everything's so clouded by a loss, but. Um, what did you think of McCall Hardman? Um, I thought McCall Hardman was there. <laughs> Me too. I, I, man, I, I don't know. Like this was a game that we kind of had circled for him because he has had some great games against the Ravens. And again, this goes back to the argument of investment and return on investment. McCole Hardman in the fifth round, you're thrilled with it. McCole Hardman in the second round, traded up four, not so thrilled with it. Um, yeah, so we're going to put um, McCole Hardman wide receiver two on the back burner. That conversation can go back there um, <laughs> for now. Other than, dude, that play that Travis Kelsey had was stupid. Like that was just, there was, some really, there was some really great effort down the field by the blockers. But I, I, you know what I'm done with? I am done hearing fanboys on Twitter talk about how George Kittle is in the conversation with Travis Kelsey. Talk about Darren Waller. Talk about Gronk. Gronk looks amazing. The year off did him well. The top three tight ends in the NFL right now are Kelsey, Waller, and Gronk. And George Kittle is a really nice little um, tackle that sometimes catches some passes. Because at this point, that's all anyone ever sends me. Or you see, like, dude, did you see that George Kittle really – messed up this corner on a block do you see this is so epic and then he goes for like three and 13 in a game like I, I i don't know i just they cannot be in the same conversation no and i i don't know i don't understand it i haven't even seen george kittle on any highlights or, or anything like that any of the national news nothing just now he is kind of a boom guy a little bit so like Next week, he could literally go for two touchdowns and like 130 yards, and it would not surprise me at all. But the thing is about Kelsey is that he does that like weekly. Like it's like, oh, Kelsey got his 100 yards. Take your ticket to the window. Like it's so automatic almost. Um, and you know everybody's game planning against him. It's like, hey, there are two guys we need to stop. It's Mahomes and Kelsey. And Kelsey's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm still going to get 100 yards and two TDs. Like that, that's just – boilerplate that's just another day at the office for travis kelsey yeah well let's um is there any other confessions or piece that you need to make with the chiefs ravens game before we move on pringle is wide receiver too that's it we can move on yeah i, th I think i think i'm okay with that even if he's not really going to be wide receiver two in production i'm okay with him being on the field because he's kind of a, a good team role player good blocker down the field and has shown enough to to be in there. I'm totally okay with that. He runs straight when he catches the ball. And I haven't seen him drop a ball. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't remember the last time he, he dropped a football. So, Well, um, I'm sitting here watching Monday Night Football, and TJ Hawkinson 
just made a really good play too. So he's like wider. He, he might be better than Kittle as far as a playmaker goes. And I'm regretting turning down a straight up trade in fantasy for Hawkinson for Kittle, but that's another story. All right. Well, that was the podcast. As always, we thank you guys for listening to not just another sports podcast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Price A. Carter. You can follow Christian at C underscore Breezy Edits. Did I get it right? Not cl- close. C Breezy underscore Edits. You see the breeze. Almost the breeze. there. All right, guys. Well, you guys have a great rest of your week. We look forward to talking more cheese with you guys. And uh, have a great night. See you guys.